Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Good morning. Okay. As you're sitting down, I'm going to start talking. Um, I've kind of had a phrase for this year. My phrase for this year has been be brave. And uh, I actually wear a little be brave necklace. And I've made a number of decisions to make some you know, positive changes in my life and to just force me out of my comfort zone. Um, my Jamaican mission trip was one of those. And speaking here today is another one of those. Um, honestly, um, my, my knees are shaking a lot. And uh, <laughs> I uh, felt almost like if you want to do the first slide, um, Almost as nervous today as I did when I did this. I ziplined this summer in the Ozark Mountains. So, yeah. <laughs> I need to breathe while I'm doing this today. This is going to be the challenge. But, but for today, I want to I speak about enough and contentment. Um, I liked my little saying, is enough enough? You know, that's kind of cool. But what is enough? The dictionary defines enough as an adequate quantity or number or sufficiency. It also says, in a quantity or degree that answers a purpose or satisfies a need. Kind of, you know, basic definitions. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm researching to do this, this, this talk, and I um, thought, you know, why am I speaking about this? This is my weakness. This is where I, I struggle the most. Um, I'm probably married to, I think, one of the most content men, the people I know. He just, you know, he, uh, I joke all the time that he could be Amish. Me, not so much. Um, <laughs> now, on that note, I'm not sure whether we're really just born with that spirit of contentment or if it's a learned habit. I know that I get tripped up daily. Somehow, um, Pinterest, HGTV, or QVC somehow end up either on the TV or on my phone, and they continually convince me that I need something else. I need something to be content. Actually, that points to the next slide. And, uh, you know, this is just one of the, the screenshots, and I, you know, was going to joke with my husband. That would make an awesome Christmas gift, by the way. Just, you know, a little hint there. But it is very difficult to be content when you think you need something or something else is going to make you happy. You're not going to be happy till you get something. So obviously, these are all kind of geared to my own weaknesses, you know, shopping, clothes, home items. But for you, or my eldest son, Nick, who doesn't happen to be here, but it might be, you know, that elusive vehicle, or the shiny new pickup, or, you know, just that newest model. Or maybe in Pastor Floyd's case, it's whenever the new and um, improved electronic device is coming out. I don't know when the Galaxy S6 is coming out, but I'm sure he does know. So, um... On that note, I want to introduce you to Edgar of JK. Um, I know you've all heard of him, right? Everyone knows who Edgar is? No? Nah, well, he's actually responsible for 33 verses in Proverbs. And actually, right now, we're going to take a look at Proverbs 37.9. Um, and it is, O oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, Help me to never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, and I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? 
And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. So, I like Agur. He uh, had a lot of uh, words of wisdom in his short 33 verses, but first of all, he um, prays to never um, tell a lie. And this is a very good um, thing to pray for, something we should all pray for, but we're going to save that for another day. And I want to concentrate on the second part. Agur prayed that not only would he not live in poverty, but also that he would not be rich. Okay, that's kind of where he loses me a little bit. You know, uh, I can honestly, but sadly say, I've never prayed that I wouldn't be rich. Um, I can remember the little Facebook post from a few years ago that says, Lord, please let me prove to you that winning the lottery won't spoil me. Yeah, that's probably what I would probably pray more than, uh, you know, just not to give me uh, rich. But, you know, isn't that the American dream? Isn't money the secret of happiness? How can you not want to be rich? So... What exactly is he praying for? In a word, it's enough. Just enough to satisfy his needs. Okay, then that also leads us on to the million-dollar question is, what do I need? Well, I need air. I need water. I need food. But I also need, like, a place to live. I need income. I need transportation and clothing. Okay, now this is where it gets tricky. When does need move into the more exciting world of want. I need food, but I want shrimp and I want pizza. I need water, but I'd personally much rather have my water with some Tivana, you know, herbal pineapple tea leaves brewing in it, you know, I, I, or else I want, you know, good Colorado rocky water. I need cl- clothes, but I want riding boots and a cashmere sweater. Um, Speaking of clothes, that was one of the funny things I thought about. Whenever we were going through premarital counseling, me and John, our um, pastor said these wor- wise words of advice when he's talking about communication and husband and wives. He said that uh, whenever a man says, I have nothing to wear, it means he has nothing clean. But when a woman says she has nothing to wear, it means she has nothing new. I can relate to that. But back to the subject then. This is why we have such a difficult time defining enough. It's the gray area between needs and wants, and it can be very elusive. You know, we don't even know if it can be quantified. We're going to take just a quick trip, a little sidebar, to Matthew 20, um, verses kind of 1 through 16. If you want to look on your Bible, you can. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it and just pull out certain of the verses. This is the parable of the vineyard workers. And um, the vineyard owner went out in the morning. He went to find workers to work on his fields, and he hired them. He told them he was going to pay them a denarius or a normal daily wage. And then, you know, they were working. Several hours later, he went out and hired more men and told them he would pay them whatever was right. And he did the same thing at the sixth hour and the ninth hour. And then at the eleventh hour, he actually still found more men that didn't have work, so he hired them. When the evening came, he had his foreman pay all the workers, beginning with the last ones he hired, and then going on to the first. Each of the late hired people received a denarius, and this is kind of where I imagine all the um, early hires are thinking, oh, they all got a denarius and they only worked a couple hours. I'm going to get like, you know, three or four of them. So um, when those workers that were hired first also just received one denarius, which is actually what they were promised, they began to complain and grumble and, you know, telling the landowner, it's not fair. 
So while I realize that this parable is about the first being last and last being first and how the entrances to heaven is by God's grace alone, we just had this come up in my women's Bible study a couple weeks ago. It really spoke to me about how our circumstances can make enough seem like not enough. How many times would we have been satisfied with just getting that daily wage of the denarius if we didn't kind of compare it to everybody around us and to, you know, kind of think, oh, that's not fair. They got more than me and we did the same amount. So that's a whole other component to the enough, you know, um, challenge that, you know, we have to think about what's enough for us, but we also have to do it without looking around us and seeing, you know, comparing to what other, other people have. So we're going to get back to the, that was a little sidebar, so we're going to get back to uh, the word enough. And, you know, it kind of seems like a simple word, first glance, but the Israelites got a first-hand lesson on how radical this word really can be. And, um, I actually think this really, this enough thing really kind of turned their world upside down. In um, Exodus 16, verses 1 through 5 and kind of 9 through 19, um, is hopefully, yep, it's up on there. If we want to read that, well, it's a very long verse, so I think we're going to read parts of it here. There were, um, yes, sorry. There were, you know, a lot of people that did their, their that flight from Egypt, that God led those uh, Israelites out of the bondage, and he parted the Red Sea with that mighty wind, and he crushed the army whenever the waves. Um, came down when they parted the, the sea and everything. And then those Israelites, they were free for the first time in a long time. And despite seeing all those miraculous things, seeing that, you know, that river part, seeing everybody crushed, seeing, you know, Pharaoh taken down, after a few days in the wilderness, those people started getting a little, I guess, scared, a little concerned. They started saying, even though we were in bondage to Egypt, at least we had food. They said that to Moses, who led them out with little to eat in the um, wilderness. And for days on end, they didn't just grumble about their hunger. hunger. In Exodus, it does say that they wholeheartedly complained. They thought they would die. They thought they didn't have enough. You know, in one way, I think, wow, how can you complain after seeing, you know, everything that just happened, everything that was so amazing? And then I think about it, too, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I was just on my mission trip to Jamaica, and a part of our last days there were to kind of figure out ways to bring back the experiment, experience into our real lives here and see how we can apply it and, and, and what we can learn from it. Um, when we were in Jamaica, it was easy. Every morning I could, you know, sit and have quiet time with my Bible. I could pray. I didn't have four kids around me trying to, you know, get them out the door and different things. And we also just had so many opportunities for sharing. Um, another was the resources down there. They, they had limited resources, so we were very good with conserving. And, you know, we all came back, and we were thinking, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to just keep this up. And, you know, as I was at a home fellowship on Friday night with some of the people I went to Jamaica with, and we all talked about that, it, you know, the greatest intentions, but life kind of got in the way. And, you know, we kind of, you know, it, it changed us, but we're back to our old habits. I didn't want to use paper towels anymore when we came back, and I was really trying to c conserve, but it is, you know, today's world, it's easy. You grab a paper towel, you wipe something up. So 
I'm thinking just in that little bit, I can kind of understand where these people were coming from and how they were complaining. I'm sure they were, you know, they were scared. I'm thinking, you know, we, when you read Exodus, you think, wow, they're kind of like, you know, I think of a little bratty kid who's in the car saying, are we there yet? I'm hungry. You know, that's kind of what you, you think about when you think about how they're complaining about not having food and everything. They were in slavery, but, you know, that part is kind of like that they forgot. They're just thinking of their bellies at that moment. Um, and they're probably also questioning whether or not they made the right decision to leave Egypt. After wandering, wandering around for days and, you know, being hungry, you know, that slavery didn't look so bad, I guess, in their minds. But, you know, God also heard their cries from, the, from slavery, and then he also heard their cries from the wilderness. And he, you know, in my version that I'm going to read some of the quotes from, it says, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites, God called down to Moses, and I am going to rain bread down from heaven for you. At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Then this is where, you know, God has this little condition. God says, do not take more than you need. Let no one store any of the provisions for one day to the next. Rather, there is enough for everyone to eat today. So eat your fill, take as much as you need. There is enough for all enough for all. I have to really imagine how strange of a concept that had to be for someone who was in slavery and who really probably never had enough. You know, they were grumbling that they didn't have anything to eat in the wilderness, but I'm sure they never had their fill even when they were slaves. Because in Egypt, you know, there were riches, there were the rich and there were the, the slaves. There were, you know, wasn't a middle class. And they um, <coughs> were just not sure, no, you know, not used to having enough. They were not used to any kind of a luxury, and, um, you know, they were kind of of the mindset, kind of, you know, that you have to take control, you have to, you know, worry about saving it, you got to do what you need to do to survive. Um, those Israelites, though, you know, in the wilderness had to come to grips with how God's idea of enough is so much different than what they were accustomed to. This is where, you know, God's concept is where Everyone gathered the manna, gathered their food up to, based on their needs. It wasn't storing it up for tomorrow, and it was, um, you know, sharing what you had today. Um, and taking only what you and your family will need to feel content. Um, God doesn't say that preparing for tomorrow is wrong. I want to just make sure I got that in there, you know, because even in today's world, we do need to plan for the future, but we have to do that with keeping in mind that just because, you know, we're, we're preparing for the future, we still have to share our, our um, riches of today. So in all the research I did, they were talking about um, the, the manna part, kind of comparing it to a family's Thanksgiving dinner where there's tons of food on the table. There's, they said no shortages, no leftovers, just gratified bellies and carefree hearts. You know, I don't know about in your house, but in, in a Serpa house, there are lots of th- leftovers on Thanksgiving. So that kind of doesn't quite compl- apply because, you know, you need those leftovers so you can shop on Black Friday. But it's a great example of, you know, having your fill and, and uh, you know, not wanting for more and just being, you know, a happy heart. Now, and the story goes in Exodus, not everyone adhered to God's rule of enough, and a lot of them 
you know, started squirreling away, squirreling away the food for tomorrow. And, you know, again, not hard to blame them. They knew that everything was scarce and, you know, didn't have full grasp of what to expect the next day. They, they were still a lot of the unknown, a lot of fear there. And um, they took more than required, storing the manna amongst themselves, and just for the future. But as the story recounts, the leftover food bred worms and became foul. By the next morning, the extra manna was rotten and inedible. They, you know, that had to be a, you know, a wake-up call. You know, had, you know, we, we buy too much. Unfortunately, we just donated a lot of shoes there that you know, didn't always need to be purchased. And you know, I don't know about you, but I've thrown away food in my refrigerator this week. I know John would still eat it. That's another story. But I throw it away. Um, if, if anything we tried to store for tomorrow would come up rotten and, you know, there'd be worms in it, it would really make you think twice about what you're saving and how much you're, you know, preparing and, you know, how much is, uh, how much is really needed for the day, for the day, you know, for, for today. So, with God, you know, the, the idea of scarcity is kind of weakened. You know, God said this to the Israelites, look around you, there is enough. There has always been enough. Look at what am I providing for you. Take what you need and leave what you don't. Everyone can flourish with the ample goods of my sustaining provision. Okay, we know this message can be even true for today. God does provide us with you know, food and abundance in our world. He provides for all of our needs. With God, there is enough. Yet, in our world, in our economic times, is there really ever enough? You know, there's talk that while food and gas and other necessities have gone up in um, prices and became more expensive, American wages kind of, you know, stay the same. Most Americans struggle to make ends meet. Make ends meet. So, in our world, it's kind of constantly whispering to us, there is not enough. You should get and control everything. You need to get more. You know, I, I think, you know, you could turn on the TV at Elmo Moment and get that message, you know, broadcast to you because it was just, it's everywhere. You know, you always are told you need something else. There's, there's more. Um, I think we all worried that there isn't going to be enough for, for our family, for, you know, for the next day. So that is one of the reasons that uh, we don't, when we don't trust God, our decisions are kind of uh, the wrong ones. Whenever the Israelites didn't, they just let, let their fear lead them. They didn't trust him and they didn't um, direct their actions towards God you know, they, they, they learned the hard way with the manna going bad and everything that they do need to trust God and he will provide. And there's another time when Jesus preached that store up treasures on earth where moth, do not st- store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal. God's message was very different from the norm and even um, very different from what Jesus proclaimed. It's also the difference. Sorry, I'm going to read you. That. God's message of enough is different. Jesus' message of enough was also different. It's also, though, really, really, really relevant to today. Think about it. You know, again, everything we're taught, we're presented, we're presented with stuff. You know, you can shop 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Um, I found this uh, really interesting little um, art, um, article and the fact, and I found it on the internet, so it must be. Thank you. In the United States, there are now more shopping malls than high schools. I mean, that's kind of amazing when you think about it. <clears throat> We're daily in inundated with just, you know, the lies that there's not enough, we need more. We have to really kind of think about the worldview and how we can change our mindset so that worldview becomes God's worldview. If we um, just kind of went with what God's definition of enough is today, and we started to live his message, we might open our hands and our wallets and our bank accounts to giving rather than closing them to store things away. And perhaps we might like see the natural world and just be amazed by the beauty and just the resources that we have. I know this summer when we were in Colorado and there were a couple spaces that we could just turn around, do a complete 360, and the views were just amazing. And it was just mind-blowing that, you know, you think, God, he made this. This is, this is what he's given us. And just, you know, taking it and, and being, you know, good stewards with our resources, we might realize that, you know, the God's gifts of today, and that's all we are given is today, um, is, is sufficient. It is, it is, it's enough. And um, I think that the promise of God that he is enough and that if we reside in him, we will have enough. If we could actually just put that into our daily lives, you know, put that into our hearts, we could really experience a deep change. Not saying it's going to be easy. I know I, this is a huge, you know, struggle for me. But God has always provided everything I needed. He has always been there. Um, I I'm very guilty of craving more resources. Um, I don't need a hot tub or, you know, a new outfit or, you know, something for the house. Those are all ones. But um, I have taken more than my share. I have stored away my manna in different ways. But God still speaks in abundance in my life. He's still furnishing me with gifts and, and wealth beyond, you know, imagination, imagine. And he's pretty, pretty much always given me what I've needed. So there was so much I wanted to say, and I felt like I was kind of overwhelmed with the information when I started reading about this and started thinking about what I wanted to, to say. But then I kind of went back, and uh, the, the first, the, it was the second prayer I learned as a kid. And when I learned it, we just learned it as word for word. Did you said it? I didn't understand the meaning of it. I didn't understand how it was supposed to be a guide for how to pray. And I'm talking about, you know, Matthew 6, 9, the Our Father. Well, you know, he, in this prayer, he also says that he's teaching us how to pray. He also mentions, give us this day our daily bread. And after I, you know, Took a, I did a Bible study on the, that, that prayer. It was truly amazing how that is all we're supposed to pray for. Give us today. Give us what we need for today. And um, with God, there is always enough. Even if we, you know, compare ourselves to others and don't feel that way. Even if we, uh, you know, struggle with 
the challenges that he's put in our path, you know, Jesus is enough. So in, in closing, I did want to end with the, um, that prayer. If everyone would like to say it with me, it would be great. I uh, grew up Catholic, so the version I say is slightly different than everyone else's. So everyone used the own, their own words, whatever they like. And uh, um, just keep in your hearts this week that Jesus is enough. Pray, pray that in this world of overconsumption and just the world is, that we live in is so rich in the standards of the world today that we are blessed and God is enough. So if everyone would like to join me in the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So thank you all. I made it through the, the, the talk up here, and I want to thank you for your attention, and everyone have a great week. Thank you.